Hello and welcome to a fluffy, snack-loving episode of Big Lash Energy. I'm your host, Jaina Marie. This week, we're talking about weight gain and the number one thing that might be stopping you from feeling your best in a bikini. If you're a regular listener, then you know that in the past couple of weeks, I've been going through it. I've done a lot of talking about feeling icky, but despite me saying that I've felt alone, I really do have some of the best people around me. Sometimes I think my friends are my biggest flex. For example, last week while I was camped out in a coffee shop doing some writing for the show, I got an unexpected phone call from my friend Shannon. She knew that I was going through a hard time after losing having my sister working with me on the show and said she hated that I was hurting and wanted to do something to help lift my spirits. She said, I've been thinking, you never really did anything to celebrate your one year anniversary of Big Lash Energy and my new home is almost ready. I'd like to offer my backyard and pool as a place for you to host a party to celebrate BLE. We can get caterers, decorators. I think it'll be a lot of fun. She told me I could invite whoever I wanted and I couldn't believe it. She hadn't even moved into her new home yet and she was already offering to share it with me. As soon as I get off the call with her, I phoned one of my other best friends, Elsa, to tell her the good news. Now, she's kind of my go-to when it comes to planning things because one of her superpowers is doing research and coming up with really cool ideas. I said, this is amazing. It's literally the kindest gesture. It just kind of sucks that I'm the fluffiest I've been in ages. That's when Elsa said what every good friend is supposed to say in that moment. She goes, oh, stop. No, you aren't. You look great. I said, wait a second. Thank you. But first of all, you haven't seen me naked. You don't know my weight. And I never said I wasn't cute. I just said I'm bigger than usual. Okay, I'm just not that excited about wearing a bathing suit. I've been busier than I've ever been in my entire life. And despite still making time to work out, I'm a solid 20 pounds over my ideal weight. For about a half a second, I considered not wanting to have a pool party, but I quickly squashed that voice inside my head because, come on, don't be crazy, Jaina. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. Shannon's offer is so kind. Are you really going to miss out on a good time because of a couple of pounds? Absolutely not. So I'm going to throw a pool party anyways. In fact, considering what a kind offer it is, it would be rude if I wasn't the first to cannonball into that pool. After I had an idea of what I wanted to do for the party, I started inviting my closest friends as well as some really big fans of Big Lash Energy, and everyone was so excited until I mentioned that it was a pool party. Almost every single person said they didn't know about being in a bathing suit, even men. I couldn't believe it. Some even said they might not want to come just for the simple fact that they weren't comfortable with their bodies right now. Wah, wah. It was so bad that I started calling it a beside the pool party. In other words, you can wear pants or a dress if you want to. What the fuck? Wait a second. Where the fuck is the The Big Big Lash Energy, guys? Seriously, what happened to loving ourselves unconditionally and living our best lives unapologetically? Are we really going to pass up on an afternoon of fun and fellowship with incredible people because of a couple of pounds? Would it really be better to sit on a couch at home alone? Oh, Oh, hell no. 
no. I'm still down to party and I hope that you are too. So if you're listening to this episode before August 20th and you consider yourself a BLE bestie, then please pop me a message on Instagram at either Jaina Marie Makeup or Big Lush Podcast and I'll get you into the party. Seriously, I want you there. Anyways, this brought up an interesting topic that I thought that I should address. Are you someone who's been working out but not seeing results or do you feel like you keep putting on weight and you're not quite sure why? They say summer bodies are made in the winter and now that summer's here, I'm going to be discussing the number one reason we may still be fluffier than usual, why it's important not to beat ourselves up, as well as the one thing that might be stopping you from being the best, healthiest, most confident version of yourself. Welcome to Big Lush Energy, dedicated to helping you navigate life's hurdles with your head held high. We're celebrating wins, learning from our losses and laughing at ourselves along the way. Now here's your favorite hype woman, Jaina Marie. Jaina Marie. a few years ago, I put a post up on Instagram showing the before and after of some pretty significant weight loss. There was about a 50 pound difference between the two images and I was really proud of the accomplishment. Of course, as soon as I posted it, some kind, encouraging, well-meaning people started commenting, you're beautiful in both, or you're beautiful in the before and after, and someone even said, I prefer the before. We're living in a time of body positivity, which is a really good thing because I grew up at a time when Jessica Simpson was considered the grossest human ever for putting on 15 pounds after a divorce. However, like I said before, I never thought I wasn't cute when I was heavier. In fact, I was still pretty confident at that size, but I was also tired, weak, sad, and most importantly, unhealthy. So I absolutely prefer the after where I could lift heavy, run fast. I was nourishing my body properly and spending time taking care of myself. So before we get into today, it's important for me to mention that I'm by no means trying to encourage anyone to be as small as possible. I'm not encouraging diet culture or suggesting that you need to lose weight in order to be valued. You can be stunning at any size. I do, however, want you to feel like your best healthiest, most confident and energetic self. And sometimes that means getting back into jeans that you wore three years ago. Take me for example. I'm on the heavier side right now, but I know my value doesn't go up when my weight goes down. I'm still the same fabulous me whether I weigh 150 pounds or 130. I do, however, have far more fun shopping for clothes and I like the way I look in pictures more. Other than that, I'm still the same. I try to give myself grace for the circumstances that may be contributing to my size. If you struggle with disordered eating or an eating disorder, then this episode may not be for you. I wouldn't want to trigger you to go into any kind of downward spiral. However, if you're someone who's simply annoyed with feeling fluffy, someone who may hesitate going to a pool party because you're not feeling your cutest, then please listen up. When I was growing up, Oprah was the poster child for yo-yo dieting. It's sad now to think of how much her weight was a topic of conversation back then, but those were the times. Every time she had a significant weight loss, she became the guru on how to lose weight. She would bring all kinds of experts and trainers onto her show, and women all over North America listened with their ears wide open. Then she'd gain the weight back, and suddenly she was the brunt of everyone's jokes. There was one time I remember her saying something that really stuck with me, something I can totally relate to today. She was talking about how she'd recently gained 30 pounds. 
She said, I have no excuse for being overweight. I can afford all the best trainers. I have access to all the experts and I even have my own personal chefs. But you know what I do? I ask them to cook me mac and cheese, gooey, delicious mac and cheese. She admitted that she had gained 30 pounds eating mac and cheese. I can completely relate because I have all the right ingredients for a supermodel body. Well, minus the genetics because I'm only 5'5", but I have an unlimited membership to F45, which is a really great fitness program only a block away from my place. There's a field directly across the street that I could do plyometrics and run and do laps and all sorts of things. There's also a modern, well-equipped gym right down the hallway from me, literally 10 steps away. And if that wasn't bad enough, I have a Peloton bike right in my living room. I also have friends that are super fit and love being active. I have dogs that need walking. And not only that, I love fitness. And sometimes that's half the battle. You know you need to work out, but you don't enjoy doing it. But I do. I love being at the gym. But working out is the easy part. It's only one decision in your day. Should I be active? Yes. That's it. Just put on your sneakers and go. Of course, being active is always a good decision. The benefits are infinite. Some of them being that it can help protect you from disease, lower your blood pressure, improve your heart health, improve your quality of sleep, reduce your feelings of anxiety and depression, improve your joint pain, muscle strength and balance, and it increases your lifespan. But my favorite part is it helps me feel confident immediately. As soon as I have a good workout, I stand taller, I feel stronger, and I love knowing that I'm doing something for me. Where it gets tricky, however, is when you're working out specifically to see results. If you're doing your best to fit in a walk or put a workout into your schedule, but you're not seeing a difference. Your jeans still fit the same, the bra strap still is tight, and you still can't get into that dress you loved to wear before the pandemic. It gets really defeating. Like, what's What's the the deal? deal? While being active is an important part of being healthy, regardless of if you're trying to lose inches or not, it's all the decisions that you're faced with after the gym that matter the most when it comes to seeing results. Did you know that researchers at Cornell University did studies and discovered that you make on average... Are you ready for this? 226.7 food-related decisions per day. 226.7 food-related decisions per day. And only one decision as to whether or not you want to work out. I actually thought it was going to be higher, to be honest, because sometimes I feel like I'm thinking about food nonstop. After all, food is everywhere. It's at the gas station and grocery store lineups, drive-thrus, there's hardwood stores selling chocolate bars on your way out, recreation centers try to sell you bags of chips, there's billboards, sides of buses, ads on TV, Instagram posts, food is everywhere. You really can't escape it. I shouldn't even be able to use food as an excuse because for the past year, I've had every single one of my meals delivered by a meal delivery company. Like I haven't even had the temptation of having to go into a grocery store because every two days I have three meals delivered for me each day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They're delicious and properly portioned to equal the right amount of calories for me to be in a deficit to lose weight. In other words, if I just ate those, I should see results. And I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, but I'm also a registered holistic nutritionist. 
Yes. I graduated with 96% from the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. So I truly have all the answers in regards to how food affects our health, our weight, and our general well-being. I'm actually an expert on the topic. So how am I still 20 pounds overweight? It doesn't make sense. So just like Oprah, I have everything in place to be successful, to have my dream body, to feel healthy, well-nourished, and energized. So what's the problem here? Uh, What the fuck, Jana? In Oprah's interview about her weight gain, she was referring to how she felt when a movie she had recently produced and performed in flopped in the box office. She'd invested all of her time and lots of her money and talents into a movie called Beloved. It was something that was dear to her heart, but it wasn't well received by those who watched it at all. On Wikipedia, they said that Beloved was a box office bomb and could not come close to surpassing its $80 million budget. It only grossed $8,165 on its opening weekend. Oprah was quoted as saying that the box office failure sent her into a massive depressive macaroni and cheese eating tailspin. In other words, despite having all the personal chefs, personal trainers, access to experts, world-class gym equipment, and a schedule that allowed for her to do whatever she wanted, she She was was sad. And she reached to food for comfort. Can you relate? The problem wasn't time, money, or resources. It was her emotions. She was soothing her sadness and disappointment with food. I do it all the time. I've never been more stressed, overwhelmed, or exhausted in my life. And as you know, recently, I've also been feeling really sad as well. And unfortunately, food is and has always been my coping mechanism. I might have been embarrassed to admit it, but I know I'm not alone. I asked my Instagram family, would you consider yourself an emotional eater? 86% of people responded with, oh my God, yes. 12% said no, not at all. And only 2% said, what's that? My next question was, if you answered yes, what emotion causes you to eat? Overwhelmingly, most people said sadness, stress, loneliness, and boredom. Someone said, dealing with assholes, my solution is chips. And a few people said, all emotions make me want to eat. Of course, eating is meant to be a way that we fuel and nourish our bodies. That's it. But we have given it so much relevance. Here are some of the reasons that we eat that have absolutely nothing to do with energizing our bodies. Some might seem obvious and others might be things you never thought of before. So have a listen and consider whether or not any of these things have affected you and your behaviors before. I know almost all of them apply to me. All right, here we go. Here are 10 reasons we reach for food that have nothing to do with actually being hungry. Number one, an escape. Ricky and I talk about this one a lot during our busy season. So much of what we do is uncomfortable. We wake up ridiculously early, lug all of our gear around, work on our feet for hours, and then pack it all up and do it again. I'm sure you have long, hard, awkward, uncomfortable days too. So lots of times we don't have full days off, so we take moments off. You know, like that moment when you bite into a delicious, freshly baked cookie. Mm, it's bliss. For just that one minute, even if it's while you're just sitting in your car, the blood sugar levels go up, you get that serotonin spike and everything pauses. I get that same feeling sliding a spoon through a little tub of ice cream. Ooh, I better stop. <laughs> Number two, reward. reward. 
Have you ever said, I went to the gym today, I deserve some fries, or I worked hard today, I deserve a slice of pizza? Essentially, we started associating unhealthy foods to something that you get when you've done something good when we were kids, and it just kind of stuck. And in ads, you always hear lines like, treat yourself. But is it really a treat if you regret it later and it's horrible for your health? Number three, sadness. Food and sadness are like old friends. Our connection between the two also typically started really young. We've all seen a kid crying in a grocery store being handed some fruit snacks like, here, this will make you happy. And we've all seen that scene in the movie where the heartbroken woman drowns her sorrows in a bucket of haagen I've done it myself more times than I care to admit. Reaching for sugar and fat actually works like a charm for a temporary fix. You also get a blood sugar spike, a hit of dopamine, that feel-good hormone, and a distraction from how you're feeling while you're busy indulging. Number four, self-sabotage. Boo to that voice inside that says you don't deserve to be beautiful or have the things you want in life. This is one that hit me at one point years ago when I realized that I was stopping myself from having what I wanted in life. I'd work out, eat healthy, and then as soon as I saw any progress, I'd go back to my old habits. I was getting in my own way. Sometimes we're more comfortable sticking with what we know. I know what life feels like in this shell I've been living in. I can't imagine what life would be like any other way, so I'd rather just stay exactly the same. Number five, spite. This one applies to anyone who's lived in a very controlling environment. Sometimes parents are overbearing or try to control how you look or what you eat, which can lead to hiding food or binging out of rebellion. Oftentimes, our relationship to food is affected when we feel a lack of control. In response, some people stop eating and others can't stop. Either way, it starts with spite. Number six, protection. This is one I can relate to big time, and it's not something we often talk about. Some of us have experienced trauma around sex and in response subconsciously keep a layer of fat around us almost like a protective shield. Somewhere inside, we feel like no one will touch us or hurt us if we aren't sexually desirable. Number seven, stress. Chronic stress causes a drop in serotonin and dopamine, the happiness hormones. But do you know what can cause serotonin and dopamine spikes? It's sugar. Consuming sugar increases serotonin and dopamine neurotransmitters that regulate mood, appetite, memory, and social behavior. Because sugar boosts serotonin levels, you feel happier, but only temporary. So your brain keeps craving this happy chemical again and again. It's a vicious cycle and one that can cause you to be genuinely addicted to sugar. I could do an entire episode on that relationship alone. And you know what? I probably will. (laughs) Number eight, hormones. Before our periods begin, there's a drop in the hormone progesterone and a rise in estrogen, which can cause blood sugar levels to drop. When blood sugar levels drop, the brain sends signals to replenish sugar and therefore cravings occur. Also, energy is required to replenish the lining of your uterus, hence why sugar and carb cravings tend to be the strongest during your period. You need the energy. Number nine, exhaustion. You may hear me say this a lot when it comes to health, but we crave things for a reason. I remember talking to a new mom who told me, I swear I'm addicted to sugar. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I knew exactly what was, quote, 
wrong with her. She was overly tired from trying to care for her new baby, and now her body was reaching for the fastest, simplest source of energy, and that's sugar. It makes absolute sense. If you're exhausted, the last thing you're thinking about is chopping vegetables, waiting for a steak to cook, and mashing some potatoes. Instead, your body would much rather just grab an O'Henry in the gas station and send your blood sugar levels flying. Number 10, loneliness. Waiting on someone else to love you back is the worst. Loneliness isn't reserved for single people either. I say it all the time. I've been the most lonely while in relationships. There's nothing worse than feeling unseen, unloved, or unheard by the person lying right beside you. But you know what's always there? Food. I could go on for days about all the emotions that can cause us to eat, but I feel like you get the point. Where am I going with this? Well, Remember those 227.6 food decisions that we were making every day? These thought patterns and emotions lower our defenses when we're trying to make good food choices all day. They're the reason we end up eating despite not actually being hungry at all. The hardest part is we're often experiencing a few of these emotions all at once. For example, one of the most tempting times for me to overeat is on my way home after getting a bride ready in the early morning. 95% of the time I'm sleep deprived, exhausted, feeling happy that it's all done. I want an escape. I want a reward for the work that I just did. I'm exhausted and stressed. Those are four emotions working against me at a time when I'm driving past gas stations full of candy, drive throughs offering greasy breakfast food, cafes with sugary coffee and freshly baked pastries. <sighs> it's a struggle the entire drive. I'll bet half of my food decisions for the entire day happen on my way home. I don't use weight as a measurement of my progress with diet and exercise. It makes a lot more sense to go by measurements, how your clothes are fitting, and how you feel. But for the sake of this conversation, you'll get a much better visual when I share the numbers. So with full transparency, I think I look my best when I'm between like 135 and 140 pounds. Right now, I'm at around 155, but there have been times when my weight has climbed all the way up to 180. The first time I was close to that weight was during my first marriage. I was so sad and scared all the time and turned to food for comfort. When I was in my second marriage, I was alone and food was there like a loyal friend comforting me on the nights when my husband didn't come home. I'd binge on something delicious and feel good for a bit. Sometime around then, I remember reading that you should find someone who has your ideal body and then put a picture of them on your vision board, kind of as your inspiration. I distinctly remember cutting out the woman that I wanted to look like. I have that picture etched in my mind even till this day because I stared at it so many times. But now I realize she didn't have my life. She didn't have my schedule or my stress. She wasn't heartbroken like me, and she could have been a professional fitness model whose job it was to look fit. How could I possibly hang a picture of her on my bedroom wall and think it made sense that I should look like that? The only visual I should have been using as inspiration was me, happier than last month. Me, stronger or more fit than I was last week. That's it. Now, I want to explain something very carefully because there are so many misconceptions about weight gain. I hear it from so many brides. I think I gained three pounds last night. First of all, honey, that's almost completely impossible. Here's why. Your body naturally burns between 1,300 to 2,000 calories a day, depending on your age and weight, just 
keeping you alive. It's the energy required in order to keep your heart beating, your digestive system running, etc. Okay. And that doesn't even include your activity levels. Meaning if you stand while you work, the number will be higher. If you work in construction or you have a physical job, it will be much higher than that. Now to lose weight, you have to consume fewer calories than you're burning. So as long as you're consuming similar to the same amount that you're burning, your weight will stay the same. In other words, if your body is naturally burning 3,000 calories a day just surviving, you can eat 3,000 calories and stay exactly the way you are. Now, the only way you can gain one pound of actual fat that you have to carry around on your body is if you eat an extra 3,500 calories on top of what your body is naturally burning on its own. So it's virtually impossible to eat enough to gain a pound in one day. You would have to eat, let's say your body is burning 3,000 calories, you would have to eat 6,500 calories in one day to possibly gain one pound. And even then, lots of the protein goes into your poop. Anyways, there's, there's all sorts of ways around it, but how you gain a pound is by eating 500 extra calories one day, then another 800 calories the next day. And after a week, maybe that all added up to 3,500 extra calories over the course of each day added up. Does that make sense? If you want to lose weight, you have to consume 3,500 calories less than you're burning. So you burn calories at the gym to get the number of calories burned higher, thus making a deficit and eventually losing a pound. I know it sounds confusing. You might want to play that over again to (laughs) fully absorb it all. Chances are you already know this, but just in case you don't, I thought it was important to explain. So you might wake up in the morning and feel bloated, but that's water retention if you ate lots of salty food or something that you have a sensitivity to. Water retention will show up on the scale. It's a reason that our weight goes up two to three pounds at the time of our periods. And that's why weighing yourself isn't a good barometer for whether or not you've made progress. In addition to that, muscle weighs more than fat. I know you've heard that before, but what does that really mean, right? Basically, you could be losing fat and getting smaller from working out, but because you're also putting on muscle, your weight might actually go up. That's why the best way to check in with yourself is one, how are your clothes fitting? Two, take measurements. And three, how do you feel? Do you feel healthier, sexier, stronger, more confident? If the answer is yes to any of those, then who cares about the first two? When I work out at F45, I bust my ass. I've even done workouts where I do some sort of cardio while everyone else is resting. Even on my sweatiest, craziest, most intense workouts, the most I've ever burned there was somewhere around 300 to 350 calories. Do you have any idea how fast I can crush that many calories when I'm eating? Just for example, six chicken nuggets are 300 calories. Four Oreo cookies are 300 calories. I can't even remember the last time I only ate four. Isn't a serving one entire row? Asking for a friend. An iced caramel macchiato from Starbucks has 250 calories. Where am I going here? Well, my point is that it's very easy to consume calories and it's a lot harder to burn them. If you're trying to lose a couple inches off of your waist, you need to be at a calorie deficit, meaning you have to burn more calories than you consume. But if you're an emotional eater, it's next to impossible to be at a calorie deficit, even when you're working out, because as I just explained, it's far easier to take in more calories than it is to burn them. To put it simply, when it comes to seeing results, what you eat is more important than if you work out, 
But your mental health is even more important than that because it's what determines what or how you eat. So often we're searching for that magic diet plan and I've tried all of them. Calorie counting apps, the South Beach diet, the cayenne pepper diet, caffeine pills, hydroxycut, HCG diet, keto, juice cleanses, intermittent fasting, personal trainers, fasting one day a week. Hell, I even went on a weight loss reality TV show to try and lose weight. No matter which diet I switched to, I still had the same underlying stressors and unresolved issues inside. So even if I saw a temporary improvement, I'd always end up back at where I started. And here's the main takeaway. Are you ready for this? If the diet or fitness plan changes, but your core issues don't, then your weight will stay the same. I'm going to say that again in case you need to write it down. (laughs) If your diet or fitness plan changes, but your core issues don't, then your weight is going to stay the same. It might change temporarily, sure, but most likely, it'll go back to the same. So be kind to yourself and know that you're not weak or stupid or a failure for giving in on one, two, three, or four of those 226.7 times food crossed your mind. You're a human with natural human responses. What you want to explore, however, is what it is that's causing you to reach for the food when you're not hungry. Is it stress? Loneliness? Sadness, boredom, guilt, celebration, maybe instead of going a full week trying to survive off cayenne lemon water, instead, spend that time trying to find someone to talk about what's weighing on your heart. Or ask yourself if you should be staying in that toxic relationship. Stand up for what you need, whether it's more love, affection, or attention. Address what's stressing you out. But no matter what, find time to move. Exercise is a natural dopamine and serotonin booster. It helps you feel better immediately, just like food. So get outside, feel the sun on your face, talk to a friend or a professional, do some work on the inside of you, and it will show on the outside. Also, do your best not to have unrealistic expectations. For example, right now, I know my stress isn't going to die down until the end of the summer, so it doesn't make sense for me to think I can magically drop inches during this time of the year. I'm giving myself grace at this time with the knowledge that once things slow down for me, the stress will fade and it'll be a lot easier to make better food decisions. I'm just trying to be aware of the emotional influences so I can do my best to navigate accordingly. In other words, I'm probably still going to be fluffy on the day of my Big Lash Energy party. (laughs) That's just the way it's going to have to be, but I'll still be cute though. (laughs) If you can't tell, this is something I'm very passionate about. And if you enjoy episodes with this kind of advice, you please reach out and let me know so that I can give you more of what you like. Also, if you know someone else who could benefit from having a little Big Lash Energy in their life, Could you pretty please share this show with them? I hear every time you do, someone else gets to spend a day in the sun feeling fabulous in their skin. (laughs) Oh, and don't forget to reach out to me if you want to be at my pool party because I really want to see you there. Thanks again for listening. Now, until next week, go be your most fabulous self. And don't forget to spread that badass big lush energy everywhere you go. See you at the pool. pool. Thanks so much.